1: Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graeme Young and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon as we talk all things Celtic. On the pod today, we preview a season for the ages as Celtic go and hunt for 10 in a row. We also look at maybe some of the challenges Celtic face along the way as they face the defining season they've been building for for almost a decade. And we'll also get put Mick in the spot for his prediction, be obviously in the papers over the weekend, season predictions. But you, Celtic followers, will get a, a little bit earlier. And finally, we'll also look at transfers. It's what makes a wonderful go around these days. And Michael, give you the inside scoop on the latest from Celtic Park. Michael, how are you? Not too bad, youngie. Yourself? Yes, yeah. Looking forward to a new season. Yeah, can't wait. Honestly, it's been <laughs> it's been, uh, it's, been a, it's been a time, hasn't it? It's been something uh, something it's different been, We're going to get a bit of the. It's been absolute
0: torture. Um talk about absence make the heart grow fonder. I've never loved Scottish football so much now that we're back. I can't I can't wait to see actual football again. It's
1: are been you, too long. Are you going to be at a game this weekend?
0: I'll be I'll be at Parkhead on Sunday for the for the big big um, big kickoff flag day with um against Hamilton yeah. So interested to see how that goes. It's gonna be weird, isn't it, without any fans there. Um it's not the way they, want, they imagined they wanted to be, but it's listen, it's better than nothing. After being kind of frozen out since March, it's um, it's a start, isn't it? It's uh, and hopefully it won't be too long before the fans are back in as well and we get back to normal. But it's uh, at least we're up under This is actual football.
1: Yeah, uh, like I said, like I, I can't wait. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I think I said there already. It goes. Sometimes maybe it goes without saying. Um, it's um, a massive season. It doesn't get any bigger. Um, what do you think? Is, like, I've noticed current Celtic players have been talking about it maybe the Rangers 9-0 team have mentioned it's as much psychological as anything else what, what you're feeling on what will be the defining factors of this season I know Rangers have um, tailed off the last two seasons but what do you think what do you think Neil Lennon will be preaching more than anything to avoid um, any disasters really in their hunt for 10-0 what will be the main messages to Celtic I don't think he has to preach anything, to be honest with you. I think.
0: I mean, I think the mentality is there. Celtic, I don't think... I mean, I know the word complacency was used looking back at the old uh, Rangers and the old team. <coughs> Excuse me. but um, I, I don't know if that was the case. I mean, there, there was issues in that team um, that season. The manager was leaving, lots of players were going. Some guys weren't um, happy or fit. So it's different scenarios, right? I think Celtic at the moment couldn't really be in, in much better shape, really, into a new campaign with so much at stake, I and mean, they managed to keep hold of their key men so far. I mean, the window still open to October, right enough. Um, but got their key men that are there—the guys that are over. The, they're over the course. Um, I mean, are you going to tell me the guys like Scott Brown, Carl McGregor, James Forrest; these guys are going to get complacent? I don't. I don't see it. I mean, um, these boys know it is required to win a league title year and year out. And I, and I can't. And I think the break will have actually helped them in terms of the fitness after a busy kind of three or four years with non-stop football. So I think. I don't actually think. I don't think mentality. I don't think it's mentality this year. I think it's quality. I think it's actually the best team will win the league. I don't think it's. A, I don't think anyone can say, "Oh, the team that wants it more, or the team that's got a better mental attitude." That's all part and parcel of what the whole package brings. I think it's down to quality. Um, and I think at the moment, if you're matching up with two big rivals, Rangers and Celtic, I think Celtic do have more quality. And for me, the, the key is they'll get more strength and depth. I mean, I think this new rule with the, the five subs must be. Um, music to the ears of guys like Neil Lennon because I mean, he's got he's got a team I mean he has got 16 players that are first team players anyway I mean you yeah. wouldn't bat an if they're playing week in week out so to me the benches are going to be the key this year and I think Celtic haven't even started yet in terms of recruitment I think they will bring in two or three more um, and you look at the market they're in for players as well it's a, it's a kind of um, quite an impressive market so I think Celtic are looking pretty strong I think I, think, I mean listen I think the challenge is going to be real this year I think I think Rangers will be better than last season. And again, they've got their own problems. I mean, they've got the main striker looking, as only one he has gone away. And they backup, back up to the four injured just now, getting on a bit as well, you've got to say. They'll, strength, they'll strengthen as well. But I think Celtic, from a standing point just now, they brought in the goalkeeper uh, Barkas. You think at this point in time, Celtic are strong, even if they didn't sign anyone. But well, if they add a, a, a couple of players into that group, they look formidable, and I think I think that's why I think Celtic fans are. I don't quite have the kind of the kind of pre-season heebie-jeebies that you can sometimes get when you're in a campaign because um, you don't really know what's going to happen. I think Celtic do look pretty strong right now, uh, and I think they'll only get stronger.
1: That was interesting the point you made. I had it scribbled down as well about the five substitutes. Now this has been Aye. the water break. Right, this is my opinion, Mick the water breaks are a bit annoying like, after the games come back in the Premier League but the five subs and I understand I don't I don't have this um, irrational hatred for it really. I think it offers even for the smaller teams if you're backs to the wall it might help these guys like, maybe you've a couple of players that are under 21 just solid operators, defenders I, I don't and for Celtic Rangers maybe as you say like, teams that have obviously uh, a myriad of options <laughs> and the chance to do that as well um, what's your feeling just would do you think the five subs will really be a fan, of you uh I'm not I don't think I'm a fan, to be honest
0: with you. Okay. I don't think so. I think it does I think it does wait in favour of um of the bigger sides and bigger squads. Um not always does, but I don't I just I, I don't like too much tinkering with the game anyway. Um listen, I think the five subs can only do it at three different stages of the game, so it won't break up the game as much as some people maybe fear. But I still think it's a bit a bit much it's a bit of a kind of safety net for managers to pick their own team and all that stuff it's and I think I mean, uh, in terms of if, if, if Celtic are sitting there at nothing each against a uh, uh, Livingston, Mother, or Marks and Johnson and they've, they've used a couple of subs and you still look at the bench and there's still a Tom Rogic yeah. uh, or Olivia Cham or, or Patrick Clamalla a four and a half million quid striker I think it does mean that, that the bigger clubs have got a, an even bigger safety net in these kind of games yeah. Um so I, I don't, I, I think it's uh, makes the playing field a, a little bit more uneven for, for kind of smaller teams. I don't really fancy it much, to be honest with you. Um, and plus I, I'm plus I'm an old fogey. I don't like change. So I don't like more change. <laughs> no more
1: changes, please. So I set this up nicely uh, for Hamilton at the weekend. Brian Rice, one of Scottish football's good guys, uh, has done a brilliant job with the as well. And I think the, the Ackies story in general, um very small budget, always been able to kind of just stay either through the playoffs or just finishing above that, avoid trouble. Uh, But they are what they are. Obviously, they they winner. at Highbrook's last season. They'll be well, well well-drilled, functional, but Celtic surely will be too much for them on Sunday when they get the season up and running. You would think so. But Halton Hackies, I think I think it's the kind of
0: nick um, a kind of well worn phrase in Scottish football, if there's a nuclear apocalypse, there's only two things that survive it'd be, it'd be cockroaches and Halton Um <laughs> they're just one of the great survivors. And listen to no great survivors and listening, know, the survivors. And listening Brian Nice plays on that. He, he said he said to us yesterday about in today's paper about how um, they, they don't the league don't want them there and all that stuff and um and pundits don't want them the journalists don't want them in the league. Um, I did feel like saying to him like, listen that I'm quite happy with like, they're, they're about 10 minutes from my house so I'm quite happy having Hamilton in the top flight um, like, I, I, take his, I take his point I think they're a small team and all that not particularly glamorous the two stands and the plastic pitch and all that stuff they're awkward listen they'll, they'll pull out results all season they'll, they'll, they'll take points off probably Celtic and Rangers at some point again they it last season they, they're capable of doing it um, first game of the season I think it's tough for them because I think that's a game when you're not going to get any kind of I mean, especially after such a long way off Celtic are going to be right on it um, and looking look to kind of um, go off to a flying start so I think they might, they might get stripped aside on Sunday uh, you'd think um, it's a fairly it looks like fairly straightforward one for Celtic but you never know because I have got a capability of just upsetting everyone at some point so um interesting
1: So in terms of predictions Michael uh, you know that's half the battle in the Celtic podcast I always ask you to put your neck in the line uh, tomorrow you're your title prediction relegation, I've not it in the paper, but if uh, the good people are Celtic supporters, would you be able to tell us what, what's your title tip? Who are you going for to win the title? I, I can't I never can't my prediction in the paper right enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, uh, no, listen, I, I think I've, t- I've, t- I've
0: tipped uh, Celtic to win the title. I think, I think. as I said before, I think they're too strong. I think they're in, in good. Listen, a lot can change. When I mean, the transfer window, I mean, someone could come in and sell the money for Edward. Um, it'd be a big, a big blow for Celtic if that happened. Um, but then again, I think they will have guys lined up as well. I don't think there'll be the same mistakes made in previous campaigns when key men have left and they've been caught short. So I, I think Celtic are in good nick. I think, I think they look, I think they look pretty much set to get to get to ten. I don't think, it, I don't think it'll be, be that comfortable. I can see it going, toe-to-toe right up to kind of March, April, Um is there going to be a 10 point gap or above. I don't, maybe, don't think so this year, maybe closer than that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think they've got more than enough to take over the line this year. Um, but listen, I'm, I'm a guy who, who's back in the Belarus league all summer, and then I got Cooping up, so don't,
1: don't, don't really listen my predictions. <laughs> I think we've all been in that spot this summer, <laughs> exotic best, but uh, the currently, obviously, signings, but Elion, and you Um, arrived there last month that was I think if you'd ask Celtic fans if they'd get to put their a prediction on if it'd be El Unussi or Foster to return most would obviously have predicted Foster but that's not the way things have have, uh, panned out for Celtic so El Unussi was in and then the arrival of Vasilis Barcas 26 year old uh, and chased for a few weeks seems a very capable keeper Uh, obviously you're an ex- Stuff yourself. You know all about about um, what makes a top keeper. Uh, what's your impressions? Have you been? He seems a very confident guy. He, he, he's a good age, isn't it, for a keeper? Twenty six, not too young. young Quite young yeah. for a keeper. Um, he spoke well. He, he spoke well. He did. He did. Um, he's not. He doesn't lack in
0: confidence. Um, we saw him a couple of seasons ago against Celtic in, in Europe. Um, I, 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 I don't. I would rely on him, it stood out as um, if anything at that point in time. But listen, he, he seems to be highly rated. He's um he's got the stature. Um he's been scouted. Um, so it'd be to see what he's like. I think I think I mean it's serious dough for a goalie. I mean that's I think it's the Scottish record transfer for a goalie. Yeah. Um so it's a it's a serious it's a serious wedge. I think listen, we all know that that, that, that Neil Lennon would have loved to have um Fizzer Foster back. I mean the impact last season was absolutely huge. I mean you look at the key games last year. European games the two Lazio games he was absolutely sensational in both games the Betta Fed Cup final I mean <laughs> ridiculous what he did that day I mean, he probably won the cup single-handedly yeah. um, so he's a big he's a big loss but listen he's a goalkeeper um, I think it's uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not an important position as an as a, as a, as a ex-goalie uh, listen I'm, well, I'm 41 I'm still my prime I think the goalkeepers are getting going age well with a fine wine <laughs> but he's um, 26 he's young he's a young lad so he's got a lot, a lot in front of him you know, he'll only get better um, I think it will be I think it will help helped by, by working with, with Stevie Woods I think a lot of keepers we've seen him improve dramatically under his his guidance as well so that's going to be interesting to see how that, how that pans out but yeah so that's a good sign like um, it's, it's a good sign as well I actually think Elanunsi could be an outsider for, for player of the year this year I think he looks fully fit now I think I think we got be glimpses last season, didn't we? I think it can't be kind of two or three month spell after he got up to up to speed fitness. this why he looked apart and then got injured, it was a bit of a shame for him because he was hitting his stride. Um I think if he stays fit, I think Celtic could have a, a player of the year contender there. And, and honestly, I think he could be one of the best player. could be the best player in the league. Honestly, I think he's um, he's got it. he's got all the tools,
1: scores yeah. goals, creates goals. I think he's going to be a major player for Celtic this year. And that was that 2 months fell. It was like just October kind of up to Christmas before the, the Betfred Cup final. He was absolutely brilliant. I think it was the, the semi-final against the 4-2 game. He was the best player in the park. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he uh, was a perfect spell. And I think what you're saying about outside show, that's how it works. Player of the Year as well. It's very rare that anyone wins it twice anyway. So the next player to of the or show, that. I think that's a pretty wise wise bet anyway. And obviously he touched upon Fraser Foster there. Um, I think more people are one of these... Guilty probably as well. Thought we'll get him back for another season. A lot of stuff's made about the fact that he's going back to Southampton to fight for his future. What's, what's your gut feeling in that, Mick? Do you think? ring. Is there maybe a part that there might be something else out there for him on another transfer? Because no, I, think, becomes, I don't think he's. I don't think he's got a future at Southampton. To be
0: perfectly honest, I think you know that as well. I think. Um, I think the, the noises from there, even last week, that he'd be like be allowed to go. Um, <laughs> And I think I mean they've got as Alex McCarthy I thought was terrific after they come back from the lockdown, he's a bank keeper as well. Um so it's Fizzher for Forster, but the guy in charge the guy in possession of the gloves is, is doing well. We can't can't expect him to get bumped out of the team. So <clears throat> I think I think it's somewhere else for Fisher for Forster. Um Listen, I think at the time in the negotiations with Celtic the, the numbers were, were, were I think the numbers involved for Celtic were getting to the stage where they were getting a bit twitchy the numbers. I mean the, the figures involved were are pretty substantial, and as, as influential a, a goalkeeper he is,
1: yeah.
0: it, Celtic have got certain limits and constraints. And this this whole situation with the pandemic as well has, has got him a wee bit cautious as well. But I think they were willing to push the ball out for him. Um, but maybe maybe he was hoping that he had a chance to get back in at, at Southampton at some point. But I don't I don't see that happening. So would he be thinking he's made maybe made a mistake, not not jumping to the Celtic opportunity? Perhaps I don't know. Um, I think it'll be interesting. and right right if he won't. listen he won't go without the season last season that enough to suggest he's back in business after a couple of dodgy season. So I think he will get a move. Where the move is, listen, I think he might end up number one a championship team or maybe a, a team in the Premier League. They, they all seem to be set in terms of goalkeepers in English League at the moment for top flight. So that- I wouldn't be surprised if we see a big, a big, a real big club coming in from and making him a backup. Yeah. But and then is that what you want? In yeah, do, right your peak years. I don't know, um, I think he might look back and think, that was a mistake, I don't know, but you can't, listen, he, he's a, it's a short career, you've got to make the money where you can and all that stuff, and he's a smart, bad guy, um, Fraser, um, and I think, he, he I don't know, he, he, will, he will land in his feet somewhere, but it depends, if he wants to play week in week out, at a team that's successful, I think he might be, might be struggling a wee bit, um, and I like, as I say he might, he might look back but a wee bit of regret at how this has all panned out but you never know listen he's got plenty of money in the bank right enough so one won't, won't be regretting for that long
1: so we can t- turn to strikers now Mick um, there's a- the mix. and this isn't surprising really for Celtic for a couple of reasons um, it, the fact that the success of 3 since January it's been obviously a, a big positive for us. Obviously, his trials and tribulations this summer about getting back to fitness. Uh, Bio injured again. And let's be honest, he's never been even close to look, become that. Uh, he doesn't no. look capable to play for Celtic. Patrick Clamalla uh, is indeed a really good summer. He looks, uh, if he puts the mask on, he looks like Bain. Tom Hardy, doesn't he? He's, he's <laughs> proper. Uh, the one issue I think maybe with Clamalla, um I noticed it against Hibs on Monday. It was the fact that Hibs at times are quite deep. For all his qualities, I think Celtic, when they're scouting players, obviously they look at a number of things, but Clamalla at times is better when the game, maybe Celtic are uh, maybe not dominate possession. He's facing behind, he's still struggling to time those kind of clever runs that Griffiths and Edward both specialise in. But there's two names currently in the mix. We've got uh, Ivan Tony, a player that we've reported since January, Celtic have been keen on. Nick Hammond was looking at Then That's obviously been added with Gavin Strachan. Uh, who worked alongside him. now's a uh, part of Neil Lennon's coaching staff. And Albion Ejeti, a, uh, a free-scoring uh, Swiss striker with Basil. Uh, but the goals quickly dried up at West Ham. And I think that's kind of the point as well, these strikers that maybe the goals don't come at West Ham. He was used to playing the team, creating five, ten mm. chances for him. And then he, he became became um, second or third choice at West Ham. Uh, are both these strikers likely to sign Mick? Or is it case of one or the other. I know uh, Ajayi would be alone, Tony appears it would cost a lot of money to get him. What's what's going inside on Celtic striker to to bulk up? Well I mean what I can, what I
0: gather is that are chasing quite a few guys. I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that we would get would, would get or want or won both. Um and in both in both these these both these transfers are, are a wee bit away from from happening at the moment. Um I would I would think one or the other. I mean I think certainly I've got other targets as well. I think there's a few in the list right enough that I've got. Um so it uh, just uh, can I show you kind of shows the market they're in. Um I I, I definitely think as well there's are they're, they're looking for an insurance policy with in terms of Edward as well, because I think I think they know that, that, that's that at some point someone's gonna come for Edward and that's it depends on how much and where it is and that kind of thing. He's he's pretty settled right enough, so I, I don't think it's not quite the same as the uh, Mr. Dembelli uh, situation a couple of years ago when it was a case of um and battling the door to get out. Um but they're definitely looking for someone. Actually I, w- I wouldn't expect both to turn up. Um as yet I think that, I think there were thoughts that it was quite it was, it was on board. But obviously it's, the problem being is now it's very, very early in the transfer window in terms of everywhere. the I mean, English league just finished the week. So a, a lot of guys want a bit of time to kind of consider their options and see what's out there. And, and, and it's a business. They want to maximise their, their income as well. Um, Tony's interesting. one. What we can gather is he's, he's, he's quite keen on in currently Celtic, or very keen, actually. Um, Peterborough playing hardball. I'd imagine listen, the way Peterborough operate um, with their, their, their Club owner on on Twitter all the time and, and Barry Fry eh, ranting raving and telly all the time. I think that'll give Peter Lovell heebie-jeebies. That's the one. That's the kind of thing he doesn't like doing. He likes to operate and kind of quiet. Um, yeah. So that that won't go down particularly well. But um, uh, when they're talking telephone numbers about twelve million or ten million to million, I, Listen, I think they were lucky to get that. He scored he scored goals in League One. Um, and I'm I, I'm afraid they, they might be lucky. I think the, the reason why they have been so loud about it is because they're, they're trying to drum up that interest to get that kind of money. Whether they get it or not, I know there's talk about Brentford and all that stuff. Are they going to spend that money on a guy from League One if they go up? Uh, wait and see, I don't know. It's um, I think I think that one's to be continued. Um, it depends how much Celtic want them and how far they want to go and push it. Um, let's talk about £5 million bids already. So Celtic are serious, and that's serious money. Um, in the current climate, that is serious money. Um a jetty, I think he's just waiting to see his options as well. Um, that one, a loan deal for a season of you to buy, that's a kind of almost a kind of low risk. I mean, there will be money involved in that in terms of wages and perhaps uh, loan fees and all that stuff, but it's fairly low, low risk. So they could. I mean, I say they won't get two of them, but they could maybe risk it if they need to um, if they want to. But um, I, I don't think they'll hang around forever. I don't think they I don't think they'll wait for these guys indefinitely. So I think they will set some sort of um time kind of um, constraint on it. And if it don't if it doesn't happen within that time they'll just move on, I think. A bit like Fraser Forster, I mean I think they didn't want to wait forever for Fraser Forster. Mm-hmm. Um and that that ship's now sailed. So um I think they'll do the same with these, these guys. Um but listen, I think to be continued, I think I think I still wouldn't be surprised if, if there's movement on, on on either. Uh or listen, it'd be surprising but maybe even both.
1: Well that's interesting to hear then. I think for a while we've been trying to piece together Celtic's um, master plan basically for this. So it's a different transfer window, a unique transfer window for a number of reasons. Uh, obviously, budgets is probably changing for clubs across the globe uh, after the pandemic. And you've also got the, this longer transfer window. This is really interesting, isn't it, Mick? Because Celtic have been specialists of working that kind of English loan market and academy players in the past as well. There's got to be real opportunities this year Maybe teams changing, like tightening the purse strings as well. There's got to be, maybe Celtic stay patient uh, into the season. There could be a, a gem to be had here or there, couldn't there? Uh, well, exactly. And I think that's, and, and like I said before, they're,
0: they're, they're doing it from a position of power, which is why I think Neil you Lennon know, seems quite relaxed about the whole thing in terms of transfers. There's not the same kind of urgency there's maybe had in previous seasons. Listen, um, I uh, in the last I, I can't remember the last time that they were in pre-season this kind of camp because usually at this point in time Celtic have got a a crisis in the centre of defence. They've got they're playing they're playing midfielders at centre half in the European qualifiers. They've got no striker up front or something like that. We've seen it before, but this time round they seem to be in, in decent shape. So there isn't that same kind of I'm not same panic but maybe urgency to get these guys in, and they will be patient. Um, and it happened last year in mean, Mané and Ussi. We saw last year coming in loan from England. It's a guy who cost sixteen million quid the year before. Um Ajeti sounds like a similar kind of player. A guy who did the business with Basel didn't quite work out for him at West Ham, but he's obviously got pedigrees. his goal score record in Switzerland was really good. Um, so there's there's, there's plenty there's plenty going on. And I think I say I don't think there is that that kind of mad scramble at this point in time. Um and there'll be wee there will be wee ones that surprise as well. we mean seen last year when I mean, Jeremy Finnpong arrived, it was, there wasn't an awful lot of fanfare. I think people thought it was one of these kids that arrived from from, uh, down south one for the future and he ended up being a major player last year so there will be these wee, wee gems that pop up as well um, the, fa- the very fact that Celtic are in the market and, and, not, and talking about say four and a half million, five million for a goalkeeper 5 million bids for for Tony and, uh, Celtic are not mucking about this year I mean I know the punters are desperate to see them splashing money to make sure they win this 10 in a row I get that uh, same every year they get the same things thrown at the board every year but it does look that they're not, they're not working about this year. They are, they are willing to spend money despite the situation. Uh, but that just shows you what they know what's at stake. They can't. They can't be. They can't cut any corners. Actually, they need to do it. this. Is this is this is what they've been gearing up for, for for a decade. So they need to get this done. And um, I say I don't think they'll be. Um,
1: don't think they'll, they'll 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 miss the opportunity to do it. Interesting. I think we've spoke about Neil Lennon's been. Quite forthright as well about the fact that there's no point denying that every Celtic player obviously has a prize He's very keen on Iron and Edward to remain if they can. It's a massive season, and then obviously after ten or then the rules change as well for a team like Celtic. This is a massive moment in the club's history. But is Olivier and Cham is he the kind of I'm not wild card, but is he the one player who's probably potentially viewed as if a player is to depart, it could be the. I know he's he, he recovered well last year after you know out of favour after these comments. he was an important squad player played, started some games, was on the bench for others. But do you think apart for him that wouldn't would that shock you, Mick, or he's the one that didn't No, it wouldn't it wouldn't
0: it wouldn't shock Mick. Me. I mean, I think he's still got enough of a reputation around the, around the continent. I think there was serious money last summer on the table or um or talked about. Um but it didn't it didn't really do enough last season to, to kinda of justify that that same kind of figures I talked about this, this summer. So it wouldn't surprise me. What, what I would rather see is, is in Cham knuckling down and becoming a, a key first-team player week in, week out. Um, it's been difficult for him. To His role's kind of strange. I mean, Scott Brown, I don't think anyone expected Scott Brown to still be at 35, be such an influence week in, week out. Um, I think it maybe even surprised him as well um, when he played 50 games last season in a, a curtailed campaign. Yeah. Um, and Cham does play that deeper kind of role. We can play follow forward, obviously as well, but I think he's maybe stronger as a kind of a kind of slightly deeper deeper role. Um, Cham's a bit of enigma, and I think he, when he's on his game, you think this guy's an absolute world beater. I mean, he looks he looks the part. He's strong. He can pass the ball. Keep possession. He can, uh, he can score a goal. Um, you think this guy's got the whole package. He's then there's, there's certain games when he's completely stinks the place out. And I don't know if it's a mentality thing or. It tends to be the kind of games you don't expect it. I mean, it, it doesn't quite um, cut it. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe concentration or. I don't, I don't know. Um, and he must be a frustrating to manage because he has got all the tools. So I think if, if he can knuckle down, he could uh, be, be an absolute star for, for Celtic. But it's up to him. But um, I think if he, if he gets sold for, for £5 million quid tomorrow, I, I, don't, I don't think there'll be protests outside Parkhead because I think he's. Uh, I don't. He's sometimes forgotten about it in terms of people picking their, their first team. But it shouldn't be because it should be. It should be a kind of star man. Um, I can get. I can get some of the reasons why that's not been the case. We look at McGregor and, and Brown are untouchable in there, that in that part of the pitch. Um, but he, he's he's got a role to play. I think, uh, Tam. Um, and I, I think it'd be, it'd be good if he did knuckle down and, and stay. Especially I mean, I, I mean Scott Brown never write Scott Brown off at any point in time. But you have got to think at thirty five this season, it can't quite be the same. Um, and there was and there, was wee, there was wee signs that, that 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 his game's changing. I think he, he I changed his style a wee bit last season uh, under Neil Lennon, and I, I don't know if it maybe it was he, he worked better the way he played under Rodgers. I don't know. If he was asked to do a bit more in terms of the ball. I don't know. Um, but Cham can do these things, so you've got to think that long term he could be he could be the man for that, that kind of role. Um, so I, if I was if I was me I would keep hold of him and try and, and try and nurture him and make him into a, a, proper, a proper Celtic player. Um, but at the same time, if a serious door comes on the table when he wants to go, there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, especially in this kind of current time when when money's going to be tight for a long while. Uh, I mean, Celtic will feel the pinch. Well, one of the biggest wage ball in the country, they're missing out on the full houses in Europe that sell tickets a couple million pound a whip for them usually. So it's we're talking millions and millions getting blown out of the budget um for the next next few months. And we don't know when full house are back as well. So it's it's still they haven't had their money for our any kept their money for a any day. Well it's it's, it's kinda of raining now and they've got the at least they've got a Broly. Um so that that's where they are at this point in time.
1: Um but they still need to be, still need to be careful. That's um an interesting point what you're saying about the fans. Uh, for a full return, but we know that September fourteenth has been marked in the calendar—a date when Scottish football supporters will be able, for that date on, to maybe return to games and social distance and so forth. Uh, obviously, there has been real progression. There's scare stories. Say, say, scare stories. There's obviously. I think the British public have been for Maybe a second wave at some point as well, but. Be absolutely fantastic. The excitement that when you came on the, the show there at the beginning for getting back to action, like the supporters are absolutely craving just a bit of normality and their favourite pastime on a Saturday afternoon. It'd be really great if we get some fans back in the game as soon as possible, wouldn't it? It'd be brilliant, I I'm,
0: I'm really wary. I mean I, like I think you touched on it there there's, there's wee kind of things coming out creeping out from, from the, the powers that be that it's almost like a wee warning about about kind of um second waves and all that stuff. I and mean, that's that's a disaster we have got to, I mean, listen, first and foremost for the health of the country that's the first thing um, but we really don't want to be getting shut down again at any point in time and the the crowd thing I don't know I mean you, the scare stories are that we don't get full crowds for the whole season which would be a disaster uh, you think well I think by September be partial kind of crowds coming in that, that's a step forward at least um, I don't see I say I don't see full houses until after maybe the new year Potentially, um, worst case scenario is no full houses until they get some vaccine for this thing. We don't know. Listen, we're not we're, we're daft sports hacks. We're not epidemiologists, so we don't know. Uh, listen, the chiefs don't know either. But lots of things keeping up to go along. Um, so we'll have taken kind a of take it step by step. But at least we've got a bit of daylight now. We can see on the horizon a potential return for fans at the game, which should be a start. Um, but it's it's we're going to have to kind of blindly uh, fumble in the dark until we know what's happening um,
1: and just hope that and hope beyond hope that it's back to normal sooner or later that's it just one when I've got you Mick as well it's quite and this is we talk about things that keep Celtic fans obviously the league 10-0 signings and European football we're obviously starting to get in the last few weeks we've got a, kind of a calendar together for European football for the next season and this is quickly happening it's uh, next Sunday and Monday there's going to be the Champions League draw uh, for rounds 1 and 2 and there's interesting to note there's a few teams in there early rounds. I think it's been happening this way recently in the last couple of years um, in terms of Rosenberg ended up they, they were a second round opponent um, and there's uh, Jordgarden's uh, Swedish champions uh, line in weight potentially the first round opponents but the one thing I was really want to ask you about was see in terms of the first or the winner takes all one legged affair is that a, a, it depends obviously it's home or away but is that an advantage I think back to last season um, and the ties both really strong one each draws away at home come back to Parkhead and Celtic are almost caught in a halfway house between going for it and not do you think these four rounds one to three is one-legged ties Is that that must be a bit of advantage for Celtic? New and an attack manager will that work in their favour? I, I think it's a bit of both I think um, you don't
0: need. You won't have the same kind of going to a hostile environment and, and dealing with goats getting sacrificed to the park and all that kind of stuff. All that nonsense before, um, but there's, it's a tightrope because the one-off tie is there's 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 no way back. If you're a bad night, that's you done. So I mean, I is I was sitting in the, the stands at, um, in Gibraltar for Lincoln Red Imps that night. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, they can't afford to have any off night now. Um, the only thing is that I think I think I know they, they haven't played that many games, and pre-season's been a bit kind of weird with the social distance training at the start and all that stuff. But they back for a while, and I think they're looking better knit now than they would do usually coming into these qualifiers at the start of July. They're um, a wee bit later again as well, so I think that helps. Uh, I said they want to hostile adva- uh, um, atmospheres, but then they won't have that at Parkhead either. I mean, I've seen teams coming to Celtic Park and getting spooked, especially in these early rounds. We saw it with uh, Halfwell Beausheva get clobbered after getting spooked. Uh, I saw a getting spooked and getting hammered at Parkhead. I've seen it before. Teams coming to sit to Glasgow and, and, and not dealing with the atmosphere. Um, so they won't have that. So it are down to purely on ability. Um, and it's so it's it's going to be weird. It's a tightrope. I think it's I think it's fraught with danger. The one-off ties. I think the taking out the aspect. I think the home advantage for Celtic getting removed and the kind of safety net of two ties. I think makes it a really really fraught passage. Um, and I think you touched on there's team. There are teams kicking about that you don't know much about them. I know you mentioned the kind of Swedish champions and that stuff, but Celtic were pretty comfortably in Stockholm eh, a year ago. So you would fancy that at some point. You don't want them at early right enough. Rosenberg is always that was always one of those tricky ones early on. That, but Celtic are, are capable of beating these teams. They should beat these teams. It um, will get tricky. The good thing is that they've kind of seeded along the way, I think. It looks like they're going to be seeded right the way through to the playoff round as well. Um, so I don't think they'll face a team where they won't be the better side that's what I think I think I think they should be the kind of the stronger side but that doesn't matter it's knockout competition and and there will be a case especially rounds kind of maybe two, three, four definitely definitely the last round they get there that it's going to be an eighth edge luckily luckily the playoff round is two legs again Um, so they've got that kind of um, in the back burner but I I think these wee ties are are, are treacherous to be honest with you because um, early in the campaign anything could happen it just takes a bad night a red card early on you, it's, it's fraught fraught with danger um, but I still think they should expect and should aim to get to the Champions League group stages I think that's something they've missed the last couple of years uh, I think I wrote there a week ago but they shouldn't lose sight of the importance of Europe I know this is, the 10 is, is dominating everyone's thoughts right now but I think Europe has to be the barometer for clubs I think they have to be a place on the, on the big the big stage. I think that's vital in terms of where the club is and the stature and attracting signings and everything and finances. The whole thing. Um, I don't think you lose sight of it. Um, listen, every single person that got in touch with it after and on, online and all that stuff after all that call said, not forget it." It's all about the ten. <laughs> but but I still think it's it's, it's it's vital to target that as well. I don't think you should sacrifice Europe for for the league. or uh, even no matter how important it is the league this year, I think Europe has to be. If not, the big priority is
1: right up there along the league. Right, absolutely spot on, Mick. I really appreciate your time today. and uh, That's all we've we'll got time for today. Join us next week as we'll review the first uh, clash of the season against Hamilton. We'll obviously Actual provide a... football! Actual <laughs> football! How It's back and we'll also be looking at all the transfer latest as well. Thanks very much for joining us and take care and see you soon.